welcome to episode 91 of Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not much. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing well. That's good. Yeah. Well is better than bad. Yep. Uh, we did not, unfortunately, get to STPR. Unfortunately, we did not. Uh, we had life, very, life happened. Yeah, we had a very good friend of ours. Uh, his father passed away. We had to go to the services. Yep. Yeah, very so, unexpected. Yeah, so bummer all around, um, but it was more important to be there for him, so... Oh, 100%. Uh, I know Liz and Jordan got there. They got to see it. So yep. we'll probably hear about that in the future. Yeah, we should probably have them on to talk about it. And maybe Dan to talk about it as well. Yeah. Guests yeah. On the and, show, uh, who actually ran it. And uh, get an update on good old spaghetti. I hear it's at the, uh, the cage shop. Cage shop, yeah. The uh, spaghetti transporter Yeah, is at my shop right now because I'm getting tires for them for it. Because it came. The spaghetti transporter, of course, is the... Former camper it's a trailer, colander. yeah. <laughs> the former camper trailer turned into a car hauler. Um, it came with four mismatched tires, and by mismatched, I don't just mean by brand and tread pattern. I also mean by size. Oh, <laughs> so two of them don't actually touch the ground. Oh, yeah, it's probably so. The left front tire and the right rear tire kind of hang in the air. I bit. like my trailer to teeter-totter down the road. Well, I'll tell you what, it pulled pretty straight for a trailer with mismatched tires on it. But the, the final nail in the coffin is one of them doesn't hold air for more than 30 minutes. Okay. So we had to take care of that. So I didn't realize that trailer tires are just trailer tire. Like, it's literally like trailer tire. Is, um, that, is a size? They can be, yes. Yeah. That's, that's the standard trailer tire size. However, this trailer has four 15-inch Chevy steel wheels on it. Oh. So a trailer tire is not the tire size. The tire size is whatever tire you can get four of the cheapest in a 15-inch. Oh. So it's getting a set of four 15-inch fusions in a 195-60-15, I think. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. but they were, just, they were just used tires that I got for $25 a piece. Yeah, but you don't want uh, a big wide tire. To drag. No, you want, no, you want something as narrow as possible because A, less rolling resistance, and B, it's easier to turn. Yeah. So, yeah, I got a little 195 55s or 195 60s. I don't remember. But I just went down to the trail store, the trail store, the, the used tire shop, and I was like, what do you got in a full match set that's cheap and has half decent life left in it? So, I want 100 bucks for four tires. Can't really go wrong. 245 50s on my trailer. Right. I need, lower, I, I need to stretch the tires on my trailer, please, actually. Yeah. They just stance the trailer. What is considered low profile, anyways? Sixty. Uh sixty is not very low profile. I thought it was fifty because somebody said to me the other day, or it depends on what year you're asking the question. Somebody commented on my wife's picture of her Subaru. Okay, and they're like, because they had a Crosstrek too, and they're like, I can't believe you know the tires are wicked expensive for my Crosstrek because they were low profile. I was like, they are not low profile on a Crosstrek. They are compared to like an '86 Cutlass. Yeah, that had like eighty fives on it. Yeah, <laughs> but I like don't, I don't know. 60s. I think it depends on what year you're asking. Like a sixty is not a low profile. I don't think. Not anymore. Yeah, I, that, don't think it ever I was. would not consider that low profile. At I think all. a fifty was considered low profile. I remember when the when the Corvette C four came out, it had like a two twenty five fifty. Yeah, and that was like 16. sixteen, and that was exotic. Yeah, everybody's like, oh my god, these people are gonna be screwed when they go to buy tires. They're gonna be so expensive. But now that's like a hundred. And cord they size. were what <laughs> Z rated, which meant over a hundred. They were good over a hundred and some odd miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, no, the, yeah, they were Goodyear Gatorbacks. I think they were. That was the tire like that. that came on the car. And I think anything fifty and under is low profile. 
I would say 1500 is low profile, yeah. But I'd say anything 60 is not. No. Because yeah, 60 series tires on. 50 and 45 is like, 40 series is like, that's about as far. Well, the smallest I've seen factory is on the new. The new Honda. Honda Type R. With the 30 or 35? 35. They're, yeah. I've seen a couple. I think it's a 215 or 225, 35, 20. Yeah, I've seen a couple Audi Volkswagens with 35s. Yeah, that's the smallest I've seen as far as a factory and tire it's goes. like a rubber band. It's very thin. And they're like, you hit a pothole and it blows your tire out because it pinches. It's like a bike tire. There's not enough movement. There's not enough like squishable space. Yeah, so it pinches. To, yeah. And, uh, whatever. Plus, they ride horribly. No, you need sidewall. Yeah, I had 40s on my Volkswagen. Yeah. Um. Supposed to have 45s, but I got a free set of 40s. Yeah. So I ran 40s. And, and that they thing sucked. would smash. Yeah. It smashed over. And like, they were run flats, weren't they? So they're extra stiff. Yeah, they were. Sidewalls. And actually, I broke a wheel once with them. Remember that on Route 114 and PD? Yeah. I actually broke the wheel and it like caverned up on the inside when it snapped the wheel. But it was run flat, so I could drive home on it. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> but yeah, I don't recommend super low profile tires because they're annoying. I have 45s in the Sapporo, too, or they're too little. Yeah. That car will ride a lot better this year on the. Uh, 50s. I'll tell you what rides real cool. 31s in the truck. Yeah. Body well, on frame trunk with big uh, balloon tires is like, yeah. Yeah. It's like a Cadillac. <laughs> like, my truck's the same way. I have yeah. the giant tires on it and big cushy leather seats, and it's like driving my living room to work every day. I was like, oh, this makes sense. I get it now. This is why people like body on frame pickup trucks. Yeah. Because it rides like an old American car however, from the 60s. However, your... Montero, we're talking about, yeah. rides a hell of a lot better than any standard 1500 truck does. Yeah. It's a lot less crashy. They do not ride as good as that truck does. Uh, it depends on the trim level, but... Even a... Like, my truck's a fully loaded, like, luxury truck, but it's 2500, and your truck rides way nicer than it. Yeah. Well, anyway, we went way off on that tangent there on sidewalls. Okay. I don't remember... How did we even get there? We were trailer talking tires. about trailer tires and the fact that the spaghetti transporter... Which is not a colander. No. However, it's made out of the same gauge metal. Has <laughs> is getting new tires on it, um, in order to tow the car successfully, hopefully to NEFR in like a month and a half. About that, middle yeah. of a month. Yeah. A month and a week. It's mm-hmm. coming up fast. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they get the car sorted out in time because I think they got to finish the cage, and then they're taking it to get tuned. I think right. Tuned up. Yeah, like, not like not like dyno tuned, but like just gone through by an expert in Volkswagen fuel injection. Yeah, because it's it's probably gonna stay with what it has for now. Yeah, with the whatever the hell that's called the Bosch something CIS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible thing that I managed to fix. The computer injection system or something. I don't know. I got it to run with a hammer. With a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> so. Being is the fact that it was tuned by Andrew with a hammer, it should go to somebody else who knows what they're doing in order to make it tuned I, properly. I did what they told me to do right, via text, and I was like, well, I'm going to hit this with a hammer, and we'll see what happened. And then it ran, yeah. and it ran for like long enough to get on the trailer and get to the cage builder. Correct. And I don't know exactly what I did to fix it, other than hitting it, with, hit a it hammer, with a hammer. And maybe we just got lucky. I don't know. Well, regardless, the hammer method of tuning is not preferred. So they're going to take it to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yeah. And I'm going to go with them so I can learn the ways of... Yeah, I'd like to go as well so we can kind of have a better understanding together of how the CIS operates. 
because I have a feeling that we're going to be dealing with it for a while. Yeah. So, plus, I've owned cars with it before, and they just kind of worked. I have an old so book I never for had it. To, I never had to look into it, because I had my Audi 4000 at CIS, and that car ran very well, despite the limited um, time I put into it. The car just ran. So. I, I don't think it was ever not driving, though, for a long time. Never sat. Yeah. Because that's have three hundred thousand miles. We were also told like the secret is like a little bit of Marvel mystery oil every fill keep, up. Keep it lubricated. Yeah, you have to oil well, inject your. Thank, thankfully, my Audi four thousand was quite oil injected via oil spraying out of every oh, surface. Yes, it was allowed. <laughs> um, rust proofing, <laughs> perpetual the, oil change. The rust proofing didn't work because the car was very rusty, but <laughs> the perpetual oil change worked out well, and it kept everything lubricated under the hood. So. So anyway, still off on a tangent. Uh, project car updates, Andrew. I think that you have a few. Oh, I I think I I stole it this week. Um, Ninety nine Montero. We've been talking about this kid place this, this week or every week. Is no, we we've had a couple of weeks where we've done stuff for you. Oh, wait, we did a little bit of stuff on my car. So we can get to that afterwards. Yeah. But anyway, go back to the Montero. The Adventure Driven Design skid plates that I've been talking about for like three months because every time we're down here, I could stare at them right in the corner. And we kept talking about how nice they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they are super nice, but we finally actually installed them. I can still see the box they came in. That's true. So. Um, I had the other one, the front one, the mid-skid installed before. I took it off to do some front servicing. one is the mid-skid because we don't have their front plate. Mm-hmm. I have, have the, the factory, factory front, front bash plate, plate yeah. a black a uh, bash plate. If you look at a picture of my truck, um, yeah, they do make a nice stainless one with an opening for a winch. But we'll get there eventually. Yeah, um, and then a transmission one never existed, so they designed a transmission never one existed to... from the factory. Yes, you mean like the truck is pretty well protected from the factory uh, with a fairly thin plates. So they make a stronger plate, but the factory never did one over the transmission. Yeah, and Which... the transmission is like this big, huge. Thin aluminum pan hanging down. So it's pretty well tucked up in there, but all it takes is one. There is mark. a there is a mark on the pan from it being hit. So, um, so you didn't do that though. No, I did not. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who used to own the truck and went off road, he did that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, but they used factory. There was factory provisions for a couple places for it to mount, and then we had to add two more mounts. So we actually made uh, there's a YouTube video of it. So if you go to our YouTube page, which is all off topic, yes. You can watch the video of us installing it and adding in the extra hardware, which mm-hmm. were rib nuts, which are sweet. So you don't have to reach up underneath the pan. And the riveting the commentary of us installing yes. the rib nuts as well. Yes. Yes. Very nice. Nicely done. Um, yeah. So you don't have to reach up over the skid plate and try to counterhold a nut to screw these two nuts in. Mm-hmm. So you can just drop it. Yeah. You sunk in a rib nut so you yeah. can just bolt it in. Sweet. Like it was factory style setup. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that went really well cause the parts fit really awesome. Yeah. It was pretty uneventful. The only thing we had to fiddle with was you had, your truck didn't have plate skid plates, so you didn't have hardware. So you had to buy hardware Yeah, and you could have bought maybe a little bit longer of a bolt, but that's nothing to do with adventure driven design. That's a hundred percent based on your bolt selection. No, I mean, and I, I was limited cause I didn't buy them ahead of time online. Yeah. We had to run to home Depot and buy them. Yeah. <laughs> And then I also fixed the CB, which I think I talked about before. I had suspected that I wired it incorrectly. Because every time you turned the truck on, it reverted back to channel 9 or something? Well, every time you turn it on, you could set it to a channel, and then it would flip back to channel 9, 
which is like the default like mm-hmm. power up channel. And then uh, if you flip the headlights on, it would also do the same. Look at like, back to nine. That's weird. Yeah. And then it dawned on me one day after months of like thinking about it and looking at it. I was like, I wonder if the constant power for it, which was the same color as the dimmer wire, mm. I wired them together. So I just needed to cut that splice and then splice it to the uh, constant power wire of the radio harness. So every time you turned the headlights on, it was interrupting the power because it was wired together. And it was thinking it was rebooting up on Channel 9. No, it was... So you're driving around without the headlights on, so there's no power going through the dimmer wire. Okay. So it would... Even though you were powering it with 12-volt power, that wasn't enough to keep the memory in it strangely Mm -hmm. and it would revert back and as soon as you turn the lights on and i could set it to a channel and it would stay on it as long as the lights were on Mm -hmm. driving around and as soon as you shut the lights off it would flip back Hmm. so it some just confused it somehow it needed to have constant power for memory even though it was powered by 12 volts i don't it's very weird that it works that way because like a standard stereo just gets its 12-volt power from the car, and then when you shut it off, it uses the constant power, a very small amount, just to save your presets. But then, interestingly enough, this the Kenwood head unit I have in there does not have a constant power wire. It has, like, some sort of RAM in it that... Like an internal battery or something? No, I think it's just a flash memory. Because I've had it unplugged from power, plugged it back in, and it remembers all the settings. That's bizarre. It's just a modern radio, I guess. Yeah. That's just the way they do it now. And it doesn't have any modern? What's this word we talk yeah. about? So, whatever. It's fixed. It was my mess up. I installed the antenna. I tuned it. Uh, I feel like this is two weeks in a row we've had an Andrew mistake we had to talk about. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Hey, I admit my mistakes. Oh, no. I do, too. I make way more of them than you do, so I, uh, it's okay. That's <laughs> why so I had to call you out on them. <laughs> it works. Uh, I turned it to Channel 19 a couple times. I heard a couple truckers, and then it's mostly silence. There's there's mostly nothing. Well, you're not on the highway. There's a lot more. See, I'm usually on 495, which is a big truck route. But you're on 495 nothing. during commuting hours. I see a bunch of trucks, trucks but they avoid not, commuting hours. They're not really talking to each other, I guess. You need to go out in Colorado. In 1977. Yeah. And then you'll hear plenty yeah. of talking. I need to go steal some Coors Light and bring yes. it back. Texarkana. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the Gallant. I talked about getting ECM link, and yep. then I sent out the ECU to have it looked at. Turns out there wasn't really much wrong with it. There was a couple. I think he did replace one capacitor and then fix one solder. But it was covered within the price of their just basic inspection yeah, service. Which is so. good and not good. It's good because it means nothing is wrong with it. But it's also not good because it means it wasn't like a simple catch-all solution to your little pro- little running problem. Yeah. So now we have to diagnose what that is. But, now but at, at least, least you have a baseline. I have a baseline. Yeah. And I can when the check engine light comes on, I can pull the trouble code. Okay. And that might You put, couldn't before? No, because you needed MUT1. It's not OBD. Okay. Well, it's not OBD2. It's not standardized. You need a vehicle-specific diagnostic tool, OBD1. That's why they eliminated it. Which now you don't need. I don't need because ECM Link will allow me to hook up to it. Okay. And it will tell you DTCs and among other things. Uh, I did get the... DTCs are trouble codes, of course, for those who don't know. 
Well, I think most people would know. It, look, say somebody out there might not know. Right. We're the, just throwing a three-letter word out there. Some people are more code. casual mechanics than you know others. Yep. Whenever so, you throw a you know an acronym out there, you should probably explain it at least the first time. All right. Fair enough. The um, yeah, I did get the tablet to work, which is kind of cool. I'm gonna have to order a, or I already did a Bluetooth mouse because the touchscreen's not great. Can you believe it on a $55 tablet? No, with I cannot. 8-inch screen, it. the touchscreen isn't I that great. I cannot believe it. Honestly, I have a much more expensive tablet with an 8-inch screen, and the touchscreen's not that great on that too. So, and it's weird because it doesn't. I kept trying to do the pinch to zoom, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a setting in Windows 10 that I don't know about. It's the Windows 10 tablet, but it, right. pinch to zoom doesn't apparently work. So you're Is trying to double tap zoom. Maybe you're trying to like, I'm trying to press these radio buttons on a, you know, a desktop program basically right. on a tablet with my finger. It doesn't work great. No, a small so, tablet too. Yeah, so, it's super yeah. annoying. So I'll just get. I got a little Bluetooth mouse coming, and uh, make however, it you say the the tablet works pretty well. Otherwise, though, yeah, hooked right up. That's Windows. It's Windows 10. What brand is it? Uh, Novo something. Nuevo? New? Something. It's <laughs> The product new. We'll call it yeah, Nuevo. It's just, <laughs> a, it's just a random-ass tablet that runs Windows 10. Well, I kind of want a cheap Windows tablet just to... This was 55 bucks. Knocking around, so... Um, and Maybe it, I'll pick one you, up You myself. can tell it's pretty cheap, yeah. but... Whatever. It's, that's all I want is a cheap piece of crap tablet. Just something to keep in the car to use for... Whatever. Yeah. Just, well, I don't want to bring my laptop someplace. I just have that in the car and worry less about it, basically. Now, the good news is I thought I had to rewire the wideband to send the proper signal into the ECU to data log it. Mm-hmm. Turns out I hadn't read the instruction manual for the wideband in a while because I installed it years ago. So I went through and I was double-checking it. There's a radio button that you can turn on the back of the gauge for different modes. Oh, okay. So I had it set for position four on the AM wideband, which sent a signal out of its analog signal wire that was for a narrowband output. So the ECU thought that the signal that was coming from that was a standard O2, was a standard O2 sensor, and okay. that's how the car was running. Uh, so then I flipped it to the default setting, which is the way they come, and then that has the... So, like, a narrowband sensor is, like, zero to, like, one volt or something, or 0.1 volts. Probably getting that wrong. And then uh, wideband is, like, zero to, like, half a volt or something. I'm probably saying this wrong. Oh, whatever. It's different. It's different enough. And then, but now it will, you can send that signal for the wideband into the ECU go into ECM link, the program, yep. and you can flip a couple of radio buttons and tell it that the front O2 sensor is actually a wideband. You need to data log it. And then you also need to simulate narrowband output for the ECU. So it does both. So it does both. That's cool. It's pretty cool. It's really cool, actually. That's cool. Yeah, this is the stuff that I think we talked about last week. I want to learn more about um, tuning and what i'm doing it makes it pretty straightforward especially once you have a wideband yeah well we were talking about the wideband one you can put in the tailpipe to tune a carbureted car yeah car is like, basically a rolling dyno once you have a wideband yeah that's kind of what i want to figure out mm-hmm. i want to know more about that plus we'll be putting my galant together for the next few weeks as well so i'll need to get that running properly as well so 
Well, wideband, the AEM one's like 130 bucks yeah, or something. Yeah, we'll probably wind up going that route. And it's easy to wire in. Mm-hmm. And then you don't need to run. You can run it as is. You just know what will go You just know what's going Speak, on. Speaking of that car, and not to hijack the whole thing, but if anybody out there in our audience is looking to get rid of or to sell a stockish turbo and a stockish downpipe for a Latvia 4 or 1G Talon Eclipse... It would be appreciated. Um, oh, that's right. I forgot know. that had a lot of shaft play in it. Yeah, because I need, I need a new turbo and a downpipe to put that car back together. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to buy a new turbo because they're expensive, and it's kind of out of the budget right now. So I have one sort of in the garage. Yeah. So it was uh, former guest Jeremy Nutt had a spare. Former owner of my car. So that probably used to be in my car. Yeah, uh, he had a spare 13B turbo. That was, That's the one with the automatic, right? Yeah, to go to Vinny McMahon to right. use in the rally car because he needs to run a restrictor, so a 13B would make more sense. Right. And actually, yeah, I was going to ask him about swapping if he needed that 14B, if he'd let it go for cheap. So. Yeah. Um, oh, we'll see. But yeah, I'm, lo- I'm, looking, I'm looking for a turbo and a downpipe at the moment. If anybody knows of anything available for a decent, you know, I'm not looking for anything free here. I just don't think there's not $1,000 for a new turbo, basically. Just need stock stuff. Yeah, just need stock parts. Just get the car running, and then if I want to change in the future, I can change in the future. But for now, I just want to make the car run and enjoy it. I have a stock muffler for that car in storage. I'm not worried about the muffler. But I don't have a... It's the downpipe is what I need. The muffler's yeah. fine. So. Yeah. Anything else? Anyway. Um, I, no, I just kind of got... I kind of jumped on yours there. Were you done with your project car updates? I don't think I have anything else. Um, we did fiddle with the oh, 78 right, yeah. Colt again a little bit because I'm still having that annoying overheating issue on the highway. Um, and we've changed everything. We fixed everything. We've put a different radiator in it, but unfortunately it was another used radiator, so who really knows? Um, I flushed it a half a dozen times. We drained it. We saw like a muddy substance in some of the cooling fins. It was kind of like mushrooming out of the top of the cooling fin in the radiator. So we flushed it again, cleaned it out. It's, it's still overheating on the highway. So around town, it's fine. I could drive the car all day long around town up to like 45 miles an hour. Not an issue. Car runs exactly at operating temperature, which is the first black line in the gauge. And it's not a problem at all. The second I try to do a continued highway speed at 55 or above, rises within 15 to 20 miles it just goes to from operating temperature to pegged on hot and add pull the car over and let it cool down so i don't know what the holdup is i'm going to send out the radiator and have it clean cord whatever go through it make sure it's good i mean we've talked about this a thousand times so mm-hmm. people are probably tired of hearing it i just need to get that done and do it because it's literally the only thing left and we've checked Everything. The water pump is pumping. The fan is blowing. I mean, the coolant is circulating. It runs fine at idle. It could sit in traffic for a week and be fine. It's just on the highway. It overheats, which is the most bizarre problem I've ever had in a car. Yeah, but uh, you haven't flushed the, the stuff out that's in there yet. The current the current setup, I have not Yeah, I dropped out. that this weekend and just put straight water in it Yeah, without the stuff. Cleaner. We'll see what happens, but see how it comes out. One at a time. I just need to make it running better because I want to take it on a couple of longer journeys this year. I'd like to have it running good by NEFR because I'll probably just want to drive it up there. We should. Um, 
which oh we should tuck the bumper the rear bumper yeah yeah we'll get there we We're talked about doing it this week and then just we got busy so it didn't happen unfortunately we but, should do a video on that because that'd be kind of fun yeah we can do it this weekend if you want mm-hmm. i was thinking about it good nothing going on uh what did we do for events other than working on cars this weekend oh i have one more project update oh okay. on my silverado my daily driver mm-hmm. um the air conditioning stopped working so i needed to diagnose what was wrong with that um, thankfully I work in a place where we have an AC machine, Yep, which makes it a lot easier to diagnose things mm-hmm. because I was able to evacuate the system so I could see how many pounds of Freon were in the system yep. and see if it was low. Cause if the Freon is low, the compressor is not going to kick on. That's right. So I evacuated the system and it had 23 and a half ounces, which is where it sounds it, pretty full, which is where it belongs. 24 is full. So 23 and a half is operating range. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um, that can vary on temperature, actually, too. Yeah, a hundred percent. So it's not. It, so we knew it wasn't an issue of it having a leak somewhere because it had plenty of pressure in the system. So we evacuated it. Once you find out how much was in there, put it back in again. So we didn't put. We we're going to put a dye in if it had a leak, but it didn't have a leak. It had plenty of freon in it. Um, then I went to the electrical side of it and I checked the fuses for everything related to the air conditioning, mm-hmm. uh, and all of those were fine. Um, turned the system on and checked power at the connector. On the air conditioning compressor. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that was fine. It had power when it was supposed to have power, but the compressor clutch was not kicking on. So the last thing I did was turn the system on at the coldest setting and then get a giant pry bar and kind of push the nose cone on the compressor. And it kind of skipped a little bit. Like it turned a little and turned a little and turned a little. And I sprayed some penetrating oil on the back of it and pushed it again. And it spun freely. And it compressed, and it pushed cold air into the cabin. That's all it was? So it seized up? It seized up. Um, it's still seized up, though. Okay. So it won't. So it's too seized that it won't start on its own. So what I've been doing the past few days, when it's been warm enough, which it hasn't been the past couple of days because it's been 53 degrees the past two days for some reason. I thought we were going to make uh, a episode without talking about the weather but that's okay this is not we're not talking about the weather we're talking about my air conditioning in the truck so kind of by default you have to talk about the weather okay so the day i was working on it originally was monday and it was like 85 degrees on monday however on tuesday and wednesday it's been in the 50s and lower 60s anyway Mm -hmm. so yesterday i drove home with the air conditioning on and i sprayed it with penetrating fluid and i jump started it again by like hitting it with pry bar and then I was I sprayed it again after I stopped. So tomorrow, when it's warm again, I'll drive the truck to work, and I'll do the same thing in the morning. I will spray penetrating fluid on it, and I'll jump start it, and I'll leave it run for the whole commute to work. And then I'll just keep doing that for a few days and see if I can free it up. Yeah, because you probably buy a separate clutch. I can buy a separate clutch, but it's still like 180 bucks. I'd rather not spend it if I don't have to. Yeah. But the good news is the system works, and when you jump start it and you get it spinning on its own... You have air conditioning. Yeah. So. Hold on. I need to turn the air conditioning off. Let me get this pry bar out. Hey, listen. You just have to get out of your car and turn a crank to start it. So. Okay. All right. I'm uh, a little ahead of the game, I think, if it was 1910. I mean, that's why you have to run it in the wintertime sometimes. Well, you, know you should run it with the defrost. Do you know what's funny about the air conditioning system in the automatic AC unit of a Chevy truck? What's that? It will not turn on if the ambient air temperature is less than 36 degrees. So you can't run it in the wintertime. Weird. Yeah. Because usually it comes on 
for defrost because you want to dry out the air right. and that helps to frost your windshield. Right. It will not come on if the ambient air is less than... It, I, was, I was reading like, the diagnostic tips yeah. on them, and one of the things is if it's less than 36 degrees ambient on the indicator in the car, that says the ambient air temperature. If it's less than 36, the compressor will not kick on. I wonder if other cars are like that. I have no idea, but that's why I don't use it all winter, because I physically can't use it all winter. Yeah, I mean, the real... you Actually, you just forced me to talk about the temperature again right I there. Did. That was your, your I mean, just having the heat on... Defrost. Eventually, you will defrost your windshield because it's just blasting hot air, hot air on it. Yep. But it does work quicker if you can use the air conditioning system right. to pull moisture out of the air. Well, you can't in a Chevy pickup truck with automatic AC. Uh, so it's automatic climate control. I don't know if that that's why. Maybe hmm. the base model ones, you could do it because hmm. you have a physical switch you can push. But on that particular car there, there's just no way to turn the AC on if it's less than 36 degrees outside. So... Most people don't care because you don't need your AC when it's 36 degrees outside. Yeah. So cool. the AC goes down to 60. It's not going to do anything anyway. Oh, you know what else I did uh, before we get off Project Car Updates? Mm-hmm. No, we, we left Project Car Updates, did we? We're we? still on them. Oh, we're still talking on about them? my air conditioning. Okay. Yeah, we're good to go. Lost track here. Um, I put a new ignition, the electrical part of the ignition switch in the Montero. In the Montero. Yep. It was not very expensive. It's super easy to swap. And I think that was my random no start. Because I would turn it mm-hmm. and hit hit the starter part, nothing would happen. Not turn it all the way off, tap it again, it would start. Hmm. So I took the, when I had the switch off, I went to turn it, it was super notchy and just felt worn out. It's probably the original switch. Right. 180,000 miles of starts. Hmm. So I think that was all it was. But I it ordered, only, it only a took couple, me five minutes. I ordered a couple of parts too, speaking of project cars, for oh. two long dormant cars. Man, just bonuses for yeah, project keep, car updates. I keep remembering things here. I ordered the transmission input shaft seal mm-hmm. for the Sapporo so we can fix that. Oh, yeah. Um, that's going to require an afternoon of effort of just dropping the tranny, putting the part in, putting it back in again. Uh, probably a whole Saturday. <laughs> I'm saying an afternoon being ambitious. Yeah. You know, but it'll be a Saturday. We'll start in the morning and finish as soon as we can. We've had the transmission out before, so it's not a mystery, though. So it's not terribly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. It's only one bolt that's really hard to get to, but we'll figure it out. Um, and randomly, I was on Rock Auto looking for the ignition parts for the 79 Colt that we just picked up. Yeah. And I happened to notice there was a section for body. Mm-hmm. So I clicked on it to see what parts were available in it, and they had a trunk lock. Which is random. Yeah. Like it's a universal trunk lock, but it's fit for that car. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if they have one for the 74, because it's one of those weird parts that I need for the 74. So I pulled up the 74 Colt in Rock Auto. Yeah. And they have a trunk lock for that, too. Oh, weird. So I needed a trunk lock because somebody punched it out. So I now have a trunk lock for the 74 Colt on the way as well. So not that the car is anywhere near at the point where it's ready for a trunk lock, but... I have the trunk tied down with the bungee cord until I got a lock for it. Hmm. So I was like, oh, they have a trunk lock. I'll get that. Hmm. So anyway. Well, you know, the funny thing is when you drive old cars, everything you do to it is a parts car update. No, 100%. And I'm <laughs> super excited about a trunk lock. Yeah. Like most people could just go to the dealership and be like, hey, I need a new trunk lock. But I can't do that because I have a 74 Colt. But Rock Auto happened to have the trunk lock. So random pieces of all pieces mm-hmm. of the trunk lock. So. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I ordered it, and now I'll have a functional trunk in that car. Well, I know the good the good thing is, is that since the Galant is pretty much sorted again, I can move on to the Talon. So 
Well, we still have to figure out your running issues. I mean, you had the parts to figure it out. We haven't figured it out yet, so we're not there yet. I don't think it's that far off, though. I think I know what it is. Okay. I'll figure it out. All right. Excellent. I hope uh, you do, because you need a heavy car out at summertime. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, speaking of going to events, uh, let's see, Sunday morning, what did we go to? Was Which Cars and Coffee? Was Seacoast Cars and Coffee, correct? Seacoast Cars and Coffee, yes. Which I think was the last Seacoast Cars and Coffee at Cinemagic. In Portsmouth. Yes, I think they got to move it down the street to a different parking lot, I think is what I heard. I think that's definite, yeah. Because it overgrew that parking lot. Something fierce. How many cars did you say were there? A hundred? More than a hundred. The main parking lot's easily a hundred cars, and it spilled over into like the McKinnon's parking lot and the restaurant parking lot. I'd say probably double that, to be honest okay. with you. I mean, it was a it was a really nice day. It was a gorgeous day. Um, it was a little chilly in the morning, but it was a gorgeous day, no, so nice. everybody came out. And that's a decent event. I mean, it did kind of devolve into a rev fest, which is I don't super understand. annoying. I don't, I don't understand that. I, don't I brought it. this up before with the event you were not at. That and that's what I was talking about. Once one person starts revving, it becomes like lemmings, and all of a sudden there's just revving going along all different parts of the parking lot. I don't know why. I I don't know. And it's not even it's... like the guy in the Ferrari or the guy in the Lamborghini. It's like. A guy in a Subaru, and then a guy in a Honda, and then you heard one Subaru, you heard them all. Sorry, Subaru fans, but they all kind of sound the same. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what your Subaru sounds like, and it's annoying when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody, and a guy gets in a car next to you and just starts bouncing it off the rev limiter over and over and over again. I'm starting to dislike these events because of that. Yeah, I just don't want that. Just hang out. And flying drones. Literally, Don't fly drones at a car show. Literally just stand with a coffee and talk to your friends. Cars and coffee. Not cars and revving and coffee. It's, it's, yeah, we do. We sound like grumpy old men. But no, seriously. like just. Well, just no, I'm glad out. that you got to experience what I experienced that first time. Because that's the same kind of thing that happened at that show you did not make it to. And it really ruined the experience for me. I did. Um, there was a couple standout cars. Mm-hmm. The Toyota Levin. Yes, the AE86 Levin. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, that was right-hand drive? It was. It was imported from Japan, I'm sure. No, sorry. Yeah, right-hand drive. Right-hand drive. Yeah, you are correct. Um, had like 13-inch Watanabe's on it, mm-hmm. which 13s on a AE86 chassis. a nice fat sidewall. They look really good. It's, yeah. It looks appropriate for the car, which is funny because it's actually downsizing because factory it would have come with 14s. Oh. So... It looks really good, though. It made, it made it made the car a real standout car. It had a nice stance, nice meaty sidewall, 13-inch wheel, Pioneer, Pioneer, uh, Karazikarazir? I don't know how to pronounce it. Karazoyo? I don't know. Whatever Those they are. Speakers. There's shell speakers in the back that light up, you know, Karazirara? Karazirara? Yeah. Karazirara. Whatever the Japanese name is. Karazir? 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 Anyway, they're really cool, and it had these cool seat covers over like what looked like mint condition seats that had almost like a Recaro style gradient pattern, but said eleven, 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 eleven instead mm-hmm. of Recaro, 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 Recaro. Those are really cool. So the eleven is the version of the A eighty six with the fixed headlight, not a pop up headlight. So that's the difference between the eleven and the Trueno. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Torino, as we were saying at the car show. 
No, and then the uh, the other really cool thing was a super cleanly swapped four door E30 with LS. Yeah, I missed that, but I saw the pictures. Oh, you took it was so it. good. It was so nicely done. It even had wor- AC worked. Like, yeah. Um, I wonder if he'd get out and jumpstart it. I don't think he did. It yeah. was in <laughs> very nice shape. So was my truck, but. <laughs> Yeah, there were a couple of cars that were real real standouts. There were like four original minis there, which is weird for this area. You don't see that many of them usually. Um, yeah, I saw actually. Uh, I think you weren't there yet, but uh, Patrick Mudhen Racing. Yep. On Instagram. He was there with his classic mini. Oh, one of those is his? Yep. Which color was his car? Uh, the dark green one, I believe, with the white roof. Okay. The one on like 13-inch wheels, the bigger wheels. That's really cool. I mm-hmm. saw pictures of it. I didn't know that was his car. I thought that... I actually did not know he had that car, so that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, other yeah, stand- he's real into minis. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of cool cars there. There was a Triumph, um, what would be called a Herald overseas, like a vertible version of it. They just called it a Sport 1200 here. It's basically a four-seat Spitfire. Mm-hmm. That was really neat. Um, yeah, that was pretty much everything else is pretty standard fare. I think the car of the show for me was that night, that Maroon 914. It was like a concourse level restored 914. Four. Okay. Yeah. It had Arizona antique plates on it, though. Hmm. So I don't know if he was, had just bought it from Arizona or maybe he has a home in Arizona and registered there for whatever yeah, reason. Weird. But Arizona has the best looking antique plates. Yeah. They're like a polished copper oh. with red writing. Hmm. And they just, they look classy as hell. <laughs> They're really nice plates. So. I was oh, like, oh, cool. that's really cool. It really matched the car because it was a deep burgundy car with the copper plate with the red writing. It just, just the whole car came together really nice. And it had the, they call them Bon Bon Brenner wheels or whatever they are on the 914s, like a flat alloy. But uh, speaking of things not to do at Cars and Coffee, right, burnouts. Oh, yeah, too. burnouts. Yeah. Um, that guy with the Brodozer. The Brodozer to end all Brodozers, too. Like, it was a tall truck. Ripped like a burnout in front of what a nine a nine six four turbo nine six four turbo yeah like a mint nine six four turbo yeah and then basically just angry. yeah basically did a burnout and uh, rolled coal like right onto his car yep yeah I would have been quite upset if that was my car I mean I was standing next to it and I was quite upset for the owner of the car yeah and also like a few feet away from that this guy had a converted sprinter van with his doors open to show off. Yeah, like, yeah, camper van. Yeah, yeah I want all on, that black all white and light gray camper van. Yeah, I want all that black soot inside my camper van. Yeah, that guy's clearly an asshole. Yeah. Which is funny because I know that truck because that truck visits somebody on our parents' street all the time. Yeah. It's weird that that was the truck that did that. Is it weird that it did it? Cause, it's not I mean, weird that it did it. It's just weird that I know the truck from Salem, Massachusetts, and we saw it up in I mean, if we're judging uh, on how it looks, then I, I clearly expected it to happen. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, just don't, I don't know. I, don't I mean, I try not to judge people based on what they drive, but I'm really bad at not judging people based on what they drive. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you didn't, like, really. I say like, I don't do it, but I do it all the time. So I know, but, like. He was an there's, asshole, there's period. No, he lived up to the stereotype. He was an asshole and a roadozer. He was a crowd of people. He easily could have hurt somebody. He could have damaged something. He could have picked up a rock and thrown it through something. I mean, there's no reason don't to do, do it. that. Just don't do it. Don't even do it leaving the parking lot, but especially don't do it in the parking lot. Yeah. He was in the middle of the show, like just, rolling between just people. Just be cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's not cool. Don't act cool. Be cool. Yeah. Big difference. No. Yeah, there so. were a few jackholes there, but unfortunately that is to be. 
expected at an event like that that is publicized on Facebook. I know that they do uh, they do keep track of that. So oh yeah, he will not be allowed back. He'll yeah. be thrown out if he shows up again. So. No question at all. So speaking of that, um, I know that there's no date announced yet, but we're going to do a listener. Cars and coffee. Yes, Listen, yes. Listener and friends of Auto Off Topic. Cars and coffee. Yes, we're coming up with a date for that. By uh, next week, I think we'll have a date yeah, set. We will. Uh, maybe no location yet, but we'll have a date set because we need to start getting planning on it. And it's going to be advertised here only. And word of mouth to friends to friends. There'll be no internet presence of it. We don't want the roadosers to show up or the crowd of new chargers or the crowd of new Camaros or any of that stuff. Just our own little thing. 20 WRXs. I mean, I mean, if we invite all our friends, there will be 20 WRXs. Yeah. That's well, the point. <laughs> listen, like, new WRX, if it's your only car and you need something that can drive you to work every day and it's fun and sporty, good. great car. Yep. Do I want to see 20 of them in a row at a car show? No. no I don't care. No. Sorry. <laughs> but... Uh, it depends on you too. It depends on the owner of the car. I, I'm not. I'm not as concerned about the quality of the car as I am the quality of the person that comes with it. I just don't want assholes in the parking lot. We want cars us. and people. Cars and people. Yeah. Yes. All right. I like it with some coffee to. Yeah, and then a couple cars. I mean, we'd prefer to do cars and beer, but it's not really PC, so we don't do it. No. Cars and coffee. It is. In the meantime, however, uh, Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee, the next one, this is in Salem, New Hampshire, Salem, at the Coffee Hampshire, Factory, yes. uh, is June 24th. So okay. That's the next one. And the next event that I'll be at, I don't know if you're going to be there, Andrew, is German Car Day on the 17th. Oh, we did talk about that. Yep. Um, that's at Lars Anderson in Brookline, Mass. Yep. Uh, it's obviously a car show for German cars. Yeah. It's on Father's Day. Yep. It is on Father's Day. I know that former guest AJ Vega will be there in his um, 300D. Yep. The one that I borrowed for a couple of days. Um, my goal is to have the NSU running in there. Okay. In two weeks. Okay. So I was talking to my father today about that because it's actually stored at his house. So I'm going to try to get that running this weekend. And I'll hopefully have that there. The car's all registered, ready to go. I just need to. All right, so maybe get it we'll moving. Tuck your bumper. We can do that, both. That doesn't take much. Yeah, I don't think getting the car running is going to take much either because it ran when parked. Um, it will run on pouring gas into the carburetor, so I just need to clean out the fuel lines. That's all. Sure. I it sat for less time than it sat last time. It sat and when I bought it, so I'm not going to have brakes done in time. It has brakes, just had a parking brake. Okay. So I'll just park on flatland and be fine. All right. It doesn't have parking brake or a gear you can park it in. Because when you park the car, when the car is off, it's always in neutral. Oh, that's right. you got to yeah. bring your own chalk block. So i got to bring my own chalk block because I, ch- I, I know I won't have parking brakes in time. So that's beside the point. It has a chalk block in it because I'm used to it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we'll get there. Um, I do know where to get brakes now. I have a set in Canada that I have to actually just... Send the gentleman some money, and he'll send them down to me. I just I won't have him in time for that. I want to get the car running first. So, all right, needs to run before I have to worry about it stopping. Right? Cool. All right. Um, so, I think that about covers it. Pretty much. Um, oh, we did have beer tonight. We did. We might as well talk about this real quick before we get out of here because it was re- it's really good beer. It is really good beer. It's, it's local too. Yeah, Jack's Abbey. Um, I'm not sure how far out they go distribu- distribution-wise. I don't know. They're out of Framingham. Yeah, Framingham, Mass. Uh, it's Blood Orange Wheat, a Rattler. It's only 4%, but it's super good. It's refreshing. It's really good for hot days. Yeah, it's a refreshing beer. We had some uh, after we finished in the 
with the Montero the other day. Oh, yeah, the, the skid plate install was powered by the same beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, It's only 4%, so you can't even tell on the video. No. <laughs> um, you can read some of my stuff on Gearbox Magazine. Yep. You should listen to uh, the podcast, Gearhead Project, from Gearbox Magazine. Yes. Brian over there, another mm-hmm. former guest. Uh, we're just dropping guest names all over the place this episode. Uh, as always... Once a guest, always a friend, right? That's right. Yeah. As always... You should like and subscribe us to us on Facebook, all your favorite podcast apps. Leave us reviews if you want. We do have stickers. I haven't got any sticker requests in a while. I believe I... I think I have one that I need to send we need to send out. Okay. Well, you've got a set of your own stickers you can send with. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Throwing that's, why, that's why I gave you half. Oh, I thought they were putting on my own things. <laughs> half? Yeah. <laughs> Half of a hundred stickers? No, no, I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah, so listen to us on all your favorite podcast apps. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Auto Off Topic. Uh, on Instagram, Auto Off Topic Podcast. On Facebook, follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. Uh, go to our YouTube page, Auto Off Topic. Yes, because there's new videos there. Yep. Or a new video. We're going to try to keep in, keep that up more regularly, do some little quicker. Yeah, it's bl- not difficult. No, we're going to do more like... Uh, won't be a lot of like super how-to stuff. More like a kind of vloggy stuff. Like just, I think we're gonna do it. I think it's getting over looking at ourselves talking, because we've gotten over hearing ourselves talking. Yeah, it took me a while. But now we're gonna have to get over like seeing ourselves in video. Uh, like. That took me a while too. I'm over that now. Yeah, you do it for professionally now. So yeah, I mean I it's don't. been about a year, so that that's how long that took me. Um, I like to hide behind a telephone when I'm at work. Yeah. So uh, where can they find you, Brad? Um, they can find me at all those same places they can find you. And then on Instagram, my own personal Instagram is T-S-I-S-S-3-5-0. All right. And on that, keep your cars analog and aim for the roses. Mm-hmm.